scripture reading is from James 5, verses 17 through 20, and it's in your bulletin. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring them that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. God's word for God's people. Again, it is so good to have you here today and to be part of friends and family. Uh, I just uh, hope that you are blessed uh, that the people who invited you uh, takes you out and buys your lunch. Amen? <clears throat> Amen. Yeah, I hope so. Amen. Amen. That's called ministry? <laughs> yeah. Amen. Well, today... <laughs> we are uh, today in the third part of a worship series called How to Lead a Soul to Christ. And I've been teaching on five simple steps to learn and use when talking to someone about becoming a Christian. The first one was show them the need for salvation. And you can't be too timid in that, you can't be too pushy. You, you have to find a balance between uh, showing someone uh, the need for salvation. Uh, sharing the gospel, uh, again, the harvest is ripe. Uh, there's lots of people out there that uh, need to hear spiritual conversations, and uh, hopefully we'll look for opportunities to start a spiritual conversation with them. Today we're going to talk about proclaim forgiveness. Proclaim Forgiveness. Now we know that forgiveness from sin is something that only God can do. Through Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit, so whether it is forgiveness of ourselves or forgiveness of others, it's always something that must be done through the work of the Holy Spirit. But it is the job of every believer, every professing Christian. It's our duty to be able to witness and lead a soul to Christ and to help them understand just how great and awesome and freeing that forgiveness is. So leading a soul to Christ is the most joyful thing that you can ever do as a believer. So let's imagine for just a moment that you have actually gone through steps one and two. Let's just pretend that you've showed someone the need for salvation, you've shared the gospel with them, and now you're going to talk to them about receiving forgiveness. Eugene Peterson is a well-known uh, author, pastor. He's written over 30 books on uh, Christianity. He, uh, he is the uh, person who... Uh, did the translation, the Message Bible. You know the Message version of the Bible. He, he uh, was instrumental in that. And so he tells a story about how that he prepared himself as a child, as a youth, how he was prepared for the world and for school. 
And so he memorized as a young boy the verse of Scripture that says, Bless those who persecute you. And there was another verse, Turn the other cheek. And he says that he didn't know how that Garrett Johns knew that about him, but bullies must just have a sixth sense when it comes to this kind of thing. And so most of the afternoons after school, he would catch up to him and beat him up. <laughs> and, and he found out that, that uh, Eugene was a Christian, and so he began to call him Jesus Sissy. Oh, it was, a, you know, he felt bruised, he felt humiliated, and his mother always told him, he said, uh, you need to know that Christians will always be persecuted in the world. So you better get used to it. And by the way, you're supposed to pray for those who treat you that way. And so one day, Eugene Peterson was with seven or eight of his friends when Garrison shows up, caught up with him, and started jabbing him. Something happened. And Peterson just says he snapped. And for a moment, those Bible verses disappeared. <clears throat> and he grabbed Garrison. And to his surprise, he was stronger than Garrison was. And so he wrestled him to the ground. He sat on his chest. He pinned, him, he pinned his arms to the ground with his knees. The other guy was helpless. He was at his mercy. It was just too good to be true. He started to hit him with his fist. It said it felt so good he hit him again. He hit him in the nose. And that lovely crimson red began to flow. And so he was trying to get Garrison to say, Uncle. And he wouldn't say uncle, and so he hit him again. And he said he wouldn't say uncle, so he tried to be Christian about it, and he said, if you don't say that I believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, I'm going to hit you again. <laughs> <laughs> and so he wouldn't say it, and he hit him again. And again, there was some crimson red that began to flow. And finally he said, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Peterson said that was his first convert. <laughs> now, I don't personally encourage that kind of evangelism, <laughs> but every one of us can laugh at that story except for Garrison. There's a Presbyterian preacher who was trying to convert a young Jew to Christianity. And the Jew would always say, why should I worship a dead Jew? And that Presbyterian pastor said, but Jesus lives. He lives. I tell you, He's not dead. He's alive. And this Presbyterian pastor went over to the piano and he sat down and he penned the words in our hymn book number 310, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever others say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. Will you sing with me? He lives, He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives, 
salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. I serve a risen Savior. He's living within me. And today is a day of Pentecost. I know that word Pentecost kind of scares us a little bit. But you see, from the day that Christ rose, from Easter Sunday until today, is 50 days. And we talked a little bit last week how that from Easter till last week was the 40 days that Jesus was alive on earth until He ascended back up into heaven to be with God. And the last thing that Jesus did before He ascended back up on Ascension Day was He gave the Great Commission that said, Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then there was this period, this waiting period, ten days, that Jesus had gone back up into heaven to be with God, and the Holy Spirit had not yet fully come. Now imagine with me how the disciples must have felt Jesus is gone, the Spirit's not yet fully come, and they were told to wait in the upper room with prayer and fasting until they would receive power from on high. And so it is on Pentecost that the Holy Spirit came and it transformed their lives. It gave them that strength that they needed to be able to go out and to make other disciples. And so now we don't have any excuse. There's no reason for us to be too timid or too pushy. We have the Holy Spirit guiding us into making those transformational moments, making those opportunities for us to have relationships and build relationships that change people's lives. So let's say you go through those first two steps. You show the need for salvation. You share the gospel. And you reach that point where you're going to talk to someone about forgiveness of their sins. Now I want to tell you that 99% of the time, you're going to hear something like, I just can't. Hello? Most of the time, When you reach this point in a conversation where you're talking to someone about letting go of their past, repenting of their sin, and receiving forgiveness, they're going to say something like, yes, I know I should. I know I should be in church, but I can't. The problem isn't just that the person is bad. And they need Jesus to make them good. The problem is, the person is dead. And they need Christ to make them alive. That's the difference that we have to share. It's not about just being bad and becoming good. It's about being dead because of our sin and rising with Christ because He lives within us. That's what Jesus came to do. And that's the step that they have to take to get out of the past in order to go into the future. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You're born again. You are made alive, reconciled through Jesus Christ. And now that you are reconciled, go and help others find reconciliation. Howard Olds, a United Methodist pastor who passed away several years ago, was talking with Rick Warren out at Saddleback. And he said, Rick, how do you handle those people who drop out from your church? And Rick Warren just said, I wave goodbye. (laughs) And Howard Olds said later in a sermon, he said, you know, I believe there's more in the teaching of the gospel than waving goodbye. I believe the gospel teaches us to go. And that's the ministry of reconciliation. To go in person and talk to that person and build that relationship about becoming a Christian. To go with the peace of the gospel. To go and offer some help and some good news. And so I want you to think about your ministry of reconciliation. You have been reconciled with God. God has forgiven you, received you. And if God can change your life, He will change others. Amen? What God has done for you, He can do in them. And so let go of your old self in order to find your new future. Now I want you to do something that normally I don't ask people to do, but I want you to take out your phones and take a selfie. Just go ahead right now, absolutely. We don't usually do it. If you don't have a phone, just lean over with somebody who has one. Come on, take out those cell phones. Get in a little group of two or three there. You can stand up if you want to. Come on, let's have a little fun with this. We're going to take a group selfie. Come on. Come on, gather around. Y'all aren't playing. Come on, you have to stand up. Stand up, everybody. If you ever want to lose control of an audience, just ask them to get out their cell phone. Okay. Now, you've got a group picture. I want you to take it and look at it. Just, just look at it. Who's the first person that you look at in that selfie? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. You can be. Yeah, you can be in a group of 10 or 12. Take a group picture. And when you look at it, the first person you look at is yourself. And if you look good, hello? Then the picture is good, right? (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) Woo, that's a good picture there. But if, if your eyes are closed or your hair is wavy or if you think you look fluffy, so that's not a good picture I don't look good in that picture look up here come back to me we always see the worst in ourselves and so it's so hard for us to forgive ourselves and let it go amen it is so hard because that person is standing there and they, they see the need for Christ in their life. 
And you've even shared with them good news. And they know it's good that Christ died on the cross to forgive their sins and is risen and is alive. But all they see is the worst in themselves. Now you don't have to beg for forgiveness. God is eager to forgive. God is able to forgive. In fact, my favorite verse of Scripture besides John 3.16 is Romans 5.8. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God sent His Son not to die for the good or, but to, or the, to die for the church, but to die for the lost, for the unsaved. And a lot of people just have that problem of letting go and believing that God really can forgive me of my sins. A lot of people have a hard time of letting go of their past. And most of the time when we think about the past, we might think of something that happened 20 years ago or 10 years ago. But a lot of people when they think about the past, they're thinking about last night. What they did last week. What happened to them last month. And so it's some hurt that's happened to them. I, there's a story about a woman who drove a, a Fiat. Anybody know what a Fiat is? A little bitty car? Well, she got a promotion at her job and was earning more money, and she bought a brand new Chevy Traverse. You know what a Traverse is? Well, there's about 12, almost 13 inches wider from a Fiat to a Traverse. And so the first time she was backing out of her driveway, the mailbox moved, she thought. <laughs> because, you know, she, there was this screeching noise. And instead of her backing on out, she pulled up. And so she got out of the car and opened the door, and there was these two beautiful, shiny pinstripes down her new car. And so now every time that she puts the car in reverse, what does she see? Those two scars. Those two scratches. Oh, she could take it and have it painted again, but every time she sees a mailbox, she's going to remember those two scars. Those two scratches. And that's the way it is with a lot of people in their life. They, they can have something that happened to them and they can even have it, have it painted over or, or, or they can even kind of you know, have it redone to some degree. But there'll be someone or a smell or a song that comes on the radio and, and just like a flashback, those scars, those scrapes, they come up into their life. And so that's why it's so hard for people to say, Yes, I will ask and receive forgiveness. There's a TV commercial on it. It just drives me crazy. I can't really stand it. I, I've heard it so many times whenever it comes on. If I have it on TiVo, I fast forward because I've just heard it so many times. And It goes something like this. It says, those other auto insurers want you to drive around on three wheels. But at Liberty Mutual, we'll replace the whole car. <laughs> and God's just like that. He don't just three-fourths forgive. He forgives it all. Anybody here driving around on three wheels? Three-fourths healed? You need to let it go. Take up a brand new life. Be a completely new creation. Born again. Born again. 
There's no more shame or guilt or pain in the past. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, love keeps no record of wrong. I love that verse. Love keeps no record of wrong. All my debts, all my trespasses has been paid by the cross and the empty tomb. And forgiveness is something that has come to us. Forgiveness is not something we achieve. Forgiveness is something we receive. I want you to think about that. I want you to remember that. Forgiveness is something that you you just receive it. You can't achieve it. You can't be good enough. You can't make uh, something that makes you feel that good. You can never be good enough to achieve it. You just receive it and accept it. I know some of you are wondering, well, why does he keep reading this verse of Scripture from James about Elijah? And why does he keep dwelling on these same verses? Well, I want to go back to the verse of chapter 5, verse 17, where it says Elijah was a human being just as we are. Elijah was just human. Just like all of us are. When Elijah prayed for it not to rain, it did not rain. Now, I don't have any... I don't have anything to support what I'm about to say. I've not read it in any books. I've not seen it in any commentaries. It just came to me as I was working on this Scripture. And so I have no supporting documents or anything to support this idea except what I just felt in my heart as I thought about Elijah being human And he prayed for it not to rain, and it did not rain for three and a half years. And I thought about, well, how would I feel if that had been me? Now, I was being obedient to God. That's what the Bible says. Elijah was doing God's will and doing what God had commanded. And yet there had to be a lot of innocent people going hungry. I wonder how that made Elijah feel. And then the Bible says he prayed after three and a half years for it to rain, and it rained. And, and I know the Bible says, and the earth produced its crops, and blah, blah, blah. But, but think about what happens after three and a half years of drought, and it comes a torrential rain. Remember, he told his servant to go tell Ahab he better hurry to get back to Jezreel because it was coming a flash flood. And imagine what happens after three and a half years the ground is bare, it's hard. And this torrential downpour comes kind of like it did at Flat Gap a couple of years ago. I don't have any evidence of this, but I just wondered, using my imagination, if there wasn't some flash floods that caused a lot of damage. Maybe even some innocent people lost their homes. Maybe even their lives like it was in the days of Noah when the flood came. Remember, Noah was just human. God talked to Noah and the Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of God and Noah built the ark and and only Noah and his family were saved in the ark of the flood. And the Bible says after the flood, Noah planted a vineyard and, and out of that vineyard came some grapes and out of the grapes came some strong wine and he went and got drunk. Wow. No, we're just human like you and I. Moses, gosh, Moses was angry one day and he murdered an Egyptian. And David, the apple of God's eye, was committed 
adultery. And Simon Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times, all of these people were just human. And, and they had to have had pain of that denial and those scars of the things that they had done. And when it was hard for them to repent and to let that go. And so there'll be times when you're sharing the gospel with someone and they'll say, I just can't. So you know what I do? I just love on them. Because I know that I've started something in their life. Started them to thinking about just the possibility that they're human too. And that God can forgive all of the sins. There was a woman who, her and her husband was having a little difficulty and so the woman came up with this idea. She would have a fault box. I don't recommend this. <laughs> but they agreed to it and so every day they were to put a slip of paper in the fault box she was very diligent about it every day she would put something in there she'd write out an irritation on a slip of paper she'd write out something she'd drop it in that box and after the 30 days was open they opened the lid and they were going to read and share the, the, the irritations a fault box with one another at the end of the month they sat down and she read through all of her 30 pieces of paper and it came his time to read through his. And, and on every slip of paper, he had written the same thing, I love you. I love you. I love you. That's just the way God is, isn't it? All our faults and all our problems, all our hurts and all our pains, all our irritations and all our sins... And yet he says, I love you. I love you. Christians, we must show the need for salvation. We must share the gospel. And even though we're nobody's judge, and we cannot, only God can forgive sin, we can proclaim forgiveness of sin. Amen? Amen. Praise God.